on Gifted Autonomy. We're talking creative empowerment, purpose, and collaboration with your feelings and your concerns. Be gifted. Be enlightened. Be a part of Gifted Autonomy. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another edition of Gifted Autonomy Radio. My name is Ashley Silver, as you probably already know if you've listened to our two previous episodes, which I hope you did. The last episode we had featured oil painting artist Larry Silver, who's also my husband, and he had some great tips for creatives out there. And so I I hope you really listen to that and internalize it and get some good tips from that. For my part, as I said, I am an author. You can find my most recent book that was published last year at Barnes & Noble online. All you do is go on barnesandnoble.com, click the search bar at the top, and either search Ashley Silver or Autoscopy. And you should be able to find that. And hopefully you'll enjoy it. It's historical science fiction about time travel to previous times to slavery. And then also the young woman has different trials here that may pertain to something that you may be going through. So it's a great book full of action, adventure, love. So go cop that on barnesandnoble.com when you have the time. So... For today, ahead of our interview next week with author Teddy Combs, if you're not following me on Facebook, Ashley Silver, or my business page, AN Media, you totally should because we have three amazing authors and one author and entrepreneur coming on first next week, and then we have a couple in April, and that's just our first round of interviews. So I want creatives, business owners, writers, oil painters to continuously email me. I do have a couple more on the docket that I hope to get scheduled, but you still can do that at ashleyannmedia at gmail.com if you want to be featured on the show. We're all about showcasing underrepresented creatives and talent and putting that out there for people because I know that somebody can benefit from it. So like I was saying, ahead of our interview next week with author Teddy Combs, and side note, his novel The Vineyard can also be found at Barnes and Noble and Amazon.com. I actually left a good review of the book on Amazon about just the different aspects that really connect to what we're going through today with COVID, but it's very full of fantasy, but very relevant for today's time. So I think you guys should go check that out. And I also think you should tune in next week at 1 p.m., We'll have author Teddy Combs on here to answer all of your questions. It'll be a live broadcast. I'm super excited about that. And I'll have all of the call-in information and everything for that. I did get a chance to read The Vineyard, and it's so, like I said, so very relevant today. And I want you to also read the review that I wrote on the book on Amazon. But ahead of that interview a week from today... I wanted to give you more of a history behind this show, Gifted Autonomy, and let you know how it came to fruition, as well as a bit more about myself, including my writing and career background as a communicator, and giving you all the juicy details about the road less traveled, (laughs) 
that I took to get to this point and why gifted autonomy is so, 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 so special to me. I feel like I should share that with you guys ahead of interviewing anybody else. You should know the foundation and the background behind the show. So that's what today's show will be dedicated to. So starting out with me. So starting out with my personal background, I had some great teachers growing up, elementary, middle, high school, but probably the most integral that I'll talk about today as far as me realizing my purpose and and what I want to do in life as far as being an author and a writer. My second grade teacher was named Mrs. Jack. And she always lauded over me, exclaiming how I caught on so quickly to cursive writing and and various writing techniques and was really ahead of the game. I just remember her really being an encouraging force for me, which I feel like you need as a child because, and I'll talk about this a little later, you get caught up in trying to fit in rather than kind of embracing your own special talent. And I feel like Miss Jet really, really, really helped me do that. So I'm forever grateful to her. My grandmother was also a retired teacher and had previously worked for the Board of Education, so she would come read to our class a lot, which I felt like really helped me embrace my love for reading and and language arts as well. I was always really good at reading and language arts, I think because of these things, because it was reinforced in me. They were both my favorite subjects. My grandmother and mother were actually educators. But my grandmother retired when I was in elementary school, so she had a whole lot of time to come up there and and read to the little youngins, and it was just great seeing her there, and then also great seeing her kind of embark on something that I was already kind of passionate about, which was reading and language arts. Also, funny thing about my grandmother and mother growing up as educators, they were constantly making sure our grammar was up to par. I would be at home just talking and they would stop you like mid-sentence and say, no, (laughs) this is the way this this should be phrased. So that was always a fun aspect, even though it can kind of annoy you at times. But I appreciate that part of my life greatly because by the time I got to fifth grade, so I'm going from second to fifth grade, my teacher, Miss Martin, basically told my mother, you know, Ashley has a real gift for writing. I remember... She used to leave the room sometimes to to go do something or if she had an errand to run. And she would say, Ashley, come up here and and you finish reading this passage to the class. Which, you know, and, and I'll talk about this a little bit more later, made me kind of the teacher's pet. And teacher's pets don't fare well with fitting in. And I was always kind of like a quiet child. So I just wanted to fit in. Like, I just, like any child, I I didn't want to really stand out, even though people were pushing me to do that, because I realized now that I had a higher purpose, at the time, I didn't want any part of that. But, like I said, Miss Martin talked to my mother, said Ashley had a real gift for writing. You should definitely send her to the Alabama School of Fine Arts, which was this school in our city for, like, for, like, what I consider, like, prodigies, um in their respective subjects or talents. So she told me I didn't end up going there because, like I said, I just wanted to be a normal kid. But I remember she really was pushing that with my my mom. So Miss Martin actually chose me to attend these young authors' conferences, which I feel like totally changed my life. 
During that time, we traveled to local universities and got the chance to listen to real authors and learn how they came to this profession. So we actually got to kind of sit Indian style around an author that was sitting in a chair in the middle of us. And they would tell us about the book. They would read their books to us because a lot of them were like child authors. They would read their books to us and then kind of explain how they came to be an author. And when you're younger, you don't really know how. I'm in fifth grade. I really don't know how this will affect me. But I do remember being really like awe-inspired at this person because they were so elegant and so regal, men and women, and so informative and set and passionate about what they were doing and just the ability to create stories and characters and kind of escape the world that you're in and really get into these characters like an actor or actress it was like amazing to me and so from that point I really decided that I want to be an author I want to be like these people so it was a great experience for me I actually started making short clip art stories through Microsoft PowerPoint on our home computer just declaring that I would be an author. And I I think I still have a couple of them. <laughs> but I used to love doing that. Like, that was my passion. That's where I could really get lost on that home computer that we had and, and make those stories. I also had, like, a composition book where I would write poems about my day or the feelings I had for someone. And that was basically my escape. Like I didn't even realize at that time how purposeful that was, but I just knew that it made me feel good. It allowed me to express things as a quiet child that sometimes internalize things. And it was just a great way for me to kind of come into my own. Anything that I was really writing about anything that helped me express myself through words. That was always my thing. I was very picky about words, you know, growing up, like I said, with teachers and just expressing those in the best way. So for the middle school I attended, WJ Christian, you had to take a test to get in. While there, I actually attended a band camp. So I was fairly well-rounded as a child. My mother always kept me in something, which, like I said, I'm very appreciative of now, looking back. Um, but, yeah, I did... I attended band camp, so I found a love of music and started taking piano lessons as well as playing clarinet and the concert bands. Now, I'll tell anyone, sixth grade, sixth grade, this is, this, is, this is where my individualism was really challenged. And not just because of school uniforms or anything like that, but because I literally felt alone. And I know that sounds like super dramatic, but seriously, I had like no close close friends I felt like I had way more acquaintances than real friends like you know when you're younger you have like that one or two people that are like your best friends like you guys do everything together um, that you could call on anytime yeah well I didn't have that so elementary school I was good I had best friends they would come over our house we have sleepovers things like that I really had a best friend at my current school that I'm talking about but she wasn't in any of my classes, so I never really used to see her or, or whatnot. So we ended up making, like, separate friends. Like, even one time I remember spraining my ankle. Never forget it. And it's so weird because I was so, like, silly, I would, I would use that word, that I wasn't even playing a sport at that time. I wasn't playing volleyball yet. Like, I wasn't playing a sport at that time, but I used to sprain my ankle. I sprained my ankle, like, three times in life. And it had nothing to do with sports. Like, I would literally 
the like skipping down the hallway or skipping on the playground and my foot will like turn over and it's the worst pain ever 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 <laughs> worst pain ever but my point is i remember spraining my ankle playing on the jungle gym or whatnot and like nobody was was really around me and i remember one one girl that I would consider an acquaintance, she ended up coming over to help me. But, like, at first, for a while, nobody would help me. My mom actually got super mad about that and went up to the school because she was saying, like, a teacher should have been supervising this or blah, blah, blah. But, basically, I mean, that just reinforced my feeling of I have to conform or become more uniform, not really be myself because I got to make some friends or whatever. I wanted to be a part of the group like like any child was. So when I was around, you know, these people, I started being kind of uniform and taking my own personality out of it. And then when I was around another group of people, I would be uniform to, you know, what they were doing, trying to fit in with them. And it wasn't necessarily fit in with them as in we were doing bad stuff, but more just like kind of dialed down my personality. I was very silly. I was quiet, but... To people that I knew I was not so very silly always cracking jokes but I dialed that back because I really wanted to fit in with whatever group at that time and it basically I, I hate and I, I create this show for things like that because I really hate that it basically dis, diminishes who you really are and like I said that's why I created this gifted autonomy show to really reinforce and support your individual talents who you are not letting anyone dial that back or make you think less of who you are and that you have to be something else or there's one way to get to your journey's end. There's not. There are tons of different ways. You have to do it your way. So you never want to make the world miss out on the true nature of who you are because it's just cheating the world out of an inventor or a doctor or a lawyer or an author. You know what I'm saying? So you should never let that, that type of stuff happen. But as a child... You don't know that. So I'm just telling you, like, my journey to finding that out. But I believe you were given a unique purpose, and that's something that you should be proud of and embrace. So really at this age, I knew my purpose was to better people's hearts and minds with my writing and my voice. I love to sing. I would actually feel more inclusive at church. I grew up in church, and we would have... Christmas programs, youth days, all type of things for you to showcase your talents where I feel like I really thrived with singing. I always loved to sing, used to lead songs, things of that nature. I remember myself and one of the girls that I grew up with in church, we would have like a little band and we would play like hymns. So she played the saxophone and I played the clarinet for, ooh, I probably consistently for like eight years. So... We were always doing things like that, and, and that was very encouraging and really built my confidence, whereas, you know, when I was in sixth grade, that confidence, confidence was probably being lowered, and kind of who I was was kind of being sucked out of me because I was trying to basically conform to something that, that I really wasn't. But I just had to find that out within myself in order to exude my talent to others. And like I said, at that time, I didn't know how just yet. But when I got in 7th and 8th grade, I feel like I found my stride. I was picked to go on this instrumental mentorship program at the Alex Stevens Center, which is at UAB for all of those who aren't familiar. But I was picked by my band director where he would, we would basically get to go on stage with very notable acts. Like 
like looking back on it, I'm like, oh my God, I was really on stage with Wynton Marcellus, the, the, the trumpet player, and other famous violinists, singers came there, but they were more like opera type singers. It was very established, upper echelon. And we would do this round table with them, with kids from other schools. It wouldn't just be kids from our schools. And get to ask questions. I remember they had like little auteurs for us. Like we were really living the high life. <laughs> and I really didn't even, I remember not wanting to go. And not because I didn't enjoy the music or things like that, but just because I was really hesitant to interact with new people at the time because I hadn't really found out who I was and, and my purpose. And so, like I said, I would easily kind of conform to just to fit into whoever I was around at the time. And so, yeah, I didn't, but now looking back on it, I, I really did at the time end up enjoying it every time. Like when I got to sit down and, and talk to the musicians, it, it was always a great experience. And like I said, you really don't value or fully understand those opportunities until you look back on them when you're older. Like some people, what I had to learn was some people just aren't meant to fit in. They stand out and, and teachers kept seeing something in me. And I couldn't fully see it in myself yet, like like with gifted individualism. Like they thought that, you know, I may be hanging with these people, but they saw something in me individually that they wanted to hone and craft. And so they kept sending me to these awesome opportunities, which I'm so appreciative of even now. Like I feel like God kept showing me that he had my back with people, always picking me to go on these really life-shaping events, and I still couldn't see I had that higher purpose. And wanted to lift, fit in to an extent, but I was learning. I was learning steadily. I was learning. So I was also a cheerleader in eighth grade, and I was on the volleyball team. I have a funny story about being on the volleyball team, but I don't want to take up time telling it. Basically, I went to volleyball camp. My mom was very supportive. I said, I want to play volleyball. Went to volleyball camp, right, at Sanford University, which is another university here. Great experience. Some great people met some Great people learn great tactics. I actually was pretty good at volleyball. I remember being at practice, and we were all hype. And, you know, now I'm kind of hanging with the jocks, you know, conforming to that. You know, I found my, my peer group. And everybody was really excited. I was a starter. I remember when they announced the starters and how I felt. And I, feel, I finally felt like I was a part of something. Only problem with that, first game, you know, I was on the back line, and you have to call, you know, I got it, I got it, or whatever. So I said I got it. The ball was coming toward me. Literally, I looked at the crowd, and I was, because I wasn't used to playing in front of a crowd. I mean, it sounds crazy, but I had never played, like, a sport, like a team sport in that type of setting. And, yeah, the crowd, like, knocked me off. Like, I was like, oh, my God, it's actually people watching me. And so, yeah, I got kind of nervous, and the ball literally dropped in front of me. Didn't drop on me. It dropped right in front of me. And at that point, the coach was like, timeout or whatever, you know, they called to stop the game, and they took me out. And, I mean, it's interesting. I couldn't really be a cheerleader and on the volleyball team at the same time, so I really was going to have to quit one anyway. So, of course, I quit volleyball. Um, at the time, I thought it was, like, the most traumatic experience ever. But um, I'm – but I feel like that wasn't that's not my gift, that's not my purpose. And God <laughs> clearly showed me that with that funny story. But moving ahead, so after high school at Ramsey, where I, I was in the band as well, I was pretty much in the band from sixth grade to 12th. 
And I love that. Like, we went on trips. I was in a marching band. I was in a concert band. I was in jazz band. Mr. Crenshaw, our band director, was super close with him. Very supportive of my talent and really honing that. Teaching me how to read music. I mean, I met my best friends in, in band. And it was just an all-out good time. Like, it was... It was it was amazing. I, I love band practice more than really being actually in school. Like band practice after school was like, oh my goodness, like it was just something to look forward to, Trust. But so my high school, Ramsey High School, it was a Birmingham City school, which people which I hate people do this, but they don't tend to look in other school systems very favorably on Birmingham City schools. But Ramsey was amazing. Like we did have to take a test to get in. But it had a diversity of people there. So even though it, it may have been like 90%, 80% African-American, it was a diverse set of those. Like, we weren't monoliths. Everybody had different personalities. They were from different parts of the city. So you really got to see a diversity of ideas. And, and some really great people came from Ramsey. So I just wanted to put in that tidbit about it. And it's actually a baccalaureate high school now, so... I'm super proud of my alma mater. But after I left Ramsey, I was accepted to, to quite a few schools, but I chose Auburn University. Always knew, still an Auburn fan to this day, always knew I was going to Auburn. My brother actually had attended Auburn. And so we would go down there. He was on the basketball team. He was a walk-on. And we would go down there to see him play. And I just remember, like, the atmosphere – I'm all about positive vibes, and everyone was just so friendly and just like War Eagle, and we were all on the same team, like literally, like it wasn't fake. And I was just enthralled, really, by how polite everybody was. Even though, you know, it was people of all different backgrounds and cultures, they were all unified under this Auburn umbrella, and it was very family-oriented, and so I knew I wanted to go there. I love the campus. Knew I wanted to go there, so I was excited when I was accepted. And I didn't, like I said, I didn't love Auburn for the football, but really for the ambience of it all. But as with anything, my Auburn experience was a series of highs and lows. I remember having some of the funnest times at different parties, different social functions we went to. I met some great people just coincidentally I had some peers that graduated from high school with me that went there as well but even above that like it was just it was just a really great experience of meeting different type of people in different majors but like I said it was a series of highs and lows as far as once again having to go somewhere and try to fit in rather than naturally stand out but in class, especially writing classes that I, I take in, composition classes, English comp, like you have to take when you're a freshman, I once again naturally stood out even when I just wanted to kind of blend in. I was just trying to blend in again, you know, make it through college. But as much as I loved Auburn, I was so focused on majoring in journalism at that time because I was grasping really for any profession that really had writing at the center of it. So that's why I went into print and broadcast journalism. My thinking was, I still wanted to write my novel, as I said, when I was younger, but I wanted to do it as a kid, like I was saying, but I thought, in a in a younger person's mind, you think, okay, that's not something that you can do till you're 40, or way off, like, man, it's got to be hard to publish a book, and 
got to be really strenuous. So I'm not going to be able to do that till I'm like 40 or something like that. So I didn't even think it was possible then. So my central focus was on journalism. But sadly and unfortunately, Auburn didn't have a journalism major at that time. And most of my friends were in like these black engineering programs, which were great, absolutely great. My brother is actually a computer engineer. Like I said, he graduated from Auburn and they had a great program for him as well. But that wasn't my journey. And so I was having kind of a different experience than other people that I was really cool with at Auburn at that time. And I, I also couldn't get a couple of the classes I needed to take to even go in the direction of my major, despite, like, literally begging my advisor at the time to let me in the classes because it was people in the classes that didn't even have to take them. And so I was like, okay, well, I have to take this to go toward journalism. So I ended up transferring to the University of Montevallo, which was a smaller school where I could really focus more. And sometimes... When it first happened, I kind of regretted that because Auburn, you know, all of this big stuff is going on in Auburn and Montevallo was a smaller school. But I feel like for me personally and what I was trying to do with journalism, at the time, it was the best decision that I could have made. There I had, like I said, a really good experience in the journalism field there, the journalism department in print and broadcast. I was a staff writer for the newspaper. So this this is the period when I really felt like, okay, I'm stepping into some type of purpose. Like, I always wanted to do something with writing. Now I have all of these avenues through print and broadcast to do this. And so this is when I did feel more like an individual. I did, I did feel gifted. I did feel like I was good at something. I was also an anchor and live reporter for this Falcon Weekly News that we would do that we put on YouTube. And basically people would, nobody would ever just let me blend in like, I, we would have to write our own scripts at the beginning of, like, when we went in there for class time or, or whatever. And then it was like a two- to three-hour class. We'd have to write our scripts, and then we would have to, you know, get everything up on the teleprompter, and then we would actually have the live show. And so a lot of the times I'm like, okay, well, I'll just be a writer today where I write for other people. But no, like, they voted my class, and they wanted me to be the anchor me and, a, and another fellow that I used to anchor with named Colvin, which was, was, was loads of fun. But, yeah, so I was either an anchor, I was a live reporter out on the scene on campus or something going on on campus is happening, breaking news. I'm out there live reporting, having the video camera there and, and that being put on display for our newscast. And so that was really fun. At that time, I also interned, I think that summer I interned at Alabama's 13 News, and with the idea that, you know, I could be like a, a news broadcaster. And I had a good experience there with Paris, and actually they were reporters there at the time that kind of took me under their wing, taught me all of the tricks of the trade. I also saw kind of how stressed they were, you know, running to get stories from different places, and so I really wanted to divert at that time because I had a, a minor in public relations as well so I kind of diverted from you know the being on camera all the time while I liked it when I was in school actually being out in the fields like this is super stressful but um I, I did have a good experience at Montevallo and a lot of doors were opened up to me through that I ended up being initiated also into the greatest sorority which is Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated and I really found my stride and, and got to pursue my passions at Montevallo, and so I'm very thankful that I did transfer to Montevallo. I graduated in 2012, 
and was offered a position at a newspaper, but it was the basically the worst offer ever as far as pay and benefits when I had people review it. And so I had to wait, and that was like the longest wait ever because when you get out of college, I mean, you're thinking this is the dream pitch for college. Like you go to college, you get a good major, you get out, you're going to immediately find a job. It's going to be in your field and you're going to love the job and all of those kind of fanatical type theories that people have was not my exact experience. So after I declined that job offer from the newspaper, I ended up having to wait another five months before I landed my first job with Regions in their communications department. And during those five months, I just remember going to exercise. I had a friend at that time named Chave, and she would basically sneak me into YMCA's and, and keep my spirit up. The person, you know, people that were in my circle at that time, we would go out, and I found a, a peer group that was, was dependable, and not even anybody that I really went to school with, but people I had just met along the way. And, yeah, they were very encouraging about, you're going to find a job, and... My family was super encouraging as well, and I just had a good support group at that time and, and got me through that time, but I was a bit sad that it took me five months to find a job, but when I did find a job, it was with Regions. It was my first real job I had, and there were tons of learning experiences there, tons of different people that you're learning to work with, good, good and bad, but I had an awesome experience. I'm having an awesome experience on that, that first team. I got promoted to a social media team a little over a year later, and I got a lot of good experience there as well as far as dealing with social media. And I was still doing writing on my own, but nothing nothing published or anything like that. And I felt like you know, I was in a career where, you know, well, at least I could do, do some type of writing because I always wanted to do something that was very writing-centristic, writing-centricism, because that's what I was always about. I did have some some hardships or, or heartache, I guess you could say, right after that, after accepting my new position. But that led me to pursue the road to my master's degree from Kent State, which was really big for me. I received a master's degree in August 2017 in public relations. Like I said, that was my minor. And with public relations, I'm thinking, you know what? journalism was for writing that's why I got into it now I'm gonna flesh this out because I don't want to do print or broadcast I'm in a communications position now let me heighten this out and then maybe I can get a job at a university which was a goal that I had at the time I had applied at a couple of universities and I got really far in the process but I wasn't chosen and I was pretty down about that and I'm thinking okay well when something doesn't happen for me or something doesn't come to fruition, I think I don't blame whatever person. I think, you know, what can I do to better myself? And I think that's a good a good way to look at things, just general advice. And so I thought, okay, well, I'm going to go get a master's degree so they'll never be able to tell me, you know, that's why I'm not getting a position again that I feel like I'm worth. So I did. I completed that in 2017. I believe I was 26 at the time. I was always really the youngest person in my position. I thought that was a really big step because, like I said, I wanted to work in university, so I was super happy. In 2018, I published my first book with the encouragement of my family and then fiancé, and it's actually still on Amazon. It's called Choices. 
I call it my little experiment book because I self-published. I was basically sitting at home one night. I had written that story for actually a screenplay that I was trying to get off the ground. And I was thinking, okay, this would be really transformational and well, transformative as a book. And so, you know, I talked to my husband about it and he was kind of giving me ideas, you know, you can you can self-publish these these he actually looked up some places that I could self-publish with. And so I ended up choosing Amazon. I had some good and bad experiences with Amazon and I am thankful that I was able to publish that book though because it completely changed my life. It gave me a renewed purpose in basically what I wanted to do from when I was little, which kind of faltered back to the back for a minute. But it resurfaced. I was so happy. I was elated by the response that I got from people. I was selling that book everywhere. (laughs) And I was so proud of my book. And I knew that it would open the door for new opportunities as far as being an author to come. So that was my first experience being an author in April of 2018. We actually got engaged around the time. I was really trying to figure out my next move, but... That was like super important to me and and made the engagement all more meaningful because I didn't really, I wasn't really established in what I wanted to do at the time, but for somebody to still see something in you and say, hey, I want you to be my wife, just throw my little love story in there. I thought that was really nice and, and that's what made it all the more special. So we did get engaged in 2018, ended up getting married in 2019. I mean, I even moved to Atlanta during the 2018 time before we got engaged because I'd fallen back into that trap of what I think was uniformity. Like, everyone else was doing it. You know, Atlanta is the mecca. You got to go to Atlanta if you want to make it in anything, you know. So I just had all of that that sense in my head. But I feel like God didn't want that path for me. So I actually came back here, back, back to Birmingham, after really less than a month. And that's when I published the first book that I spoke about and I got engaged. So everything worked out with that. Don't really question why God is doing something anymore because I know that if he's redirecting me as to something better, I definitely can attest to that. And that goes for really anybody. I remember in 2015, I asked God, like, don't, just don't. I felt like I was stuck. And just don't let me be in the same place mentally and, and really physically next year like just just please don't don't make this be my situation every year and literally since I I prayed that no year has been the same since and we're in 2021 no year has been the same since something positive has happened every year since that time now I do work for a university with even more amazing opportunities on the horizon that I can't even necessarily talk about right now (laughs) But yes, constantly amazing opportunities that I feel like are given to me so I can help other people for for no other reason. I I have to have a higher purpose of being here for all of these opportunities because who am I? Like, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm just the person that, that God created, you know, so I feel like he wants me to do something, me and my husband, something higher just for the good things that are happening to us to be happened. I published my second book which I'll talk about in a second last year. 
I got married, like I said, in 2018. We bought a house in 2020, our first house. I bought a new car in 2019, the same year that I got married. And we spent about $15,000 to $20,000 on a wedding. Now, we did have a lot of help, <laughs> which is crazy because I didn't even want a wedding initially. I didn't want a lot of people fussing over me um, personally. But after I, I did meet my husband and, and we talked about it, I'm so thankful. I, that was the best day of my life, our wedding, and his life too. And I mean, we talk about it all the time, of how magical it was, how everybody got along. And it was like people that didn't even know each other were like family. And, and that connectivity was amazing. And we had amazing people behind it, our families, and just everybody being super supportive. So it was just a very, very special day for us. Would not change a thing about that day. And my husband, who was on the show last week, if you didn't listen to, like I said, that episode, you definitely should. He talks about his journey to becoming the oil painter, self-taught that he is, which is so amazing. Like, every single time I sit and get the opportunity to watch him create something out of nothing in such a unique way, it's just the most amazing thing ever to me. So you guys should definitely learn about his journey in episode two of Gifted Autonomy. So check that out. Nothing is always grand in our life, but, you know, it it really depends on your outlook. That's what I've learned. So that's a bit of my story and background. Hopefully it wasn't too lengthy, but I got to give you the the basis of how Gifted Autonomy came. Before I bring anybody else on the show, I got to give you the basis of why this show came to fruition. And every part of my life that I mentioned all led up to this. And so I definitely wanted you guys to know. So now about Gifted Autonomy centrally that and and why gifted autonomy why that name everything so autonomy has to do with being individualistic so in my eyes when we're growing up and I mentioned this before we're taught a lot of uniformity down to school uniforms or you just must move this kind of way to fit in with the group we're just taught a lot of uniformity and that bleeds into us as we get older I feel like if you don't really put a stop to it you're becoming more of an organization than an individual And I'm using that figuratively, of course, with our individual talents and making sure that we're staying true to ourselves, that we're actually really happy. That's really the goals that you want for your life. Should be the goals that you want for your life. And you don't want it to become just a monotonous day, day in and day out, of you actually becoming an organization rather than your individual self. And that being stamped out as far as being a creative person. So that's definitely what you don't want to happen. And that's definitely why I created Gifted Autonomy for underrepresented creatives, underrepresented creatives to come on here and tell you about their story so we can learn more about them. I wanted to share a poem that really, to me, spurred the idea of autonomy. Um, Like I said, I'm really big and always have been on certain words. So if I'm using a certain word or it's a certain word in the title, it's it's there for a very specific purpose. So last year, I began creating a poetry series of three videos where I had a theme surrounding embracing individualism and the plights one may experience while doing so. But at that time, I was creating poems with different themes that were all under that umbrella. So today, I wanted to share, I wasn't going to share two, but I'll share one which was the central one that that breathed life into gifted autonomy. And just let you kind of meander on the meaning of them. And I think it'll give you more of a good outlook on gifted autonomy and the actual meaning. And and for those also that want to come on the show to be interviewed, 
in future months, I want you to have a really good understanding of what you'll be a part of. And also why people should listen if you do consider yourself a creative individual. So with that, I'm going to read Autonomy, which is basically how all of this, this show and everything came to fruition. It's a poem that I created called Autonomy. So, a cascading, ever-evading, thin, translucent light stirs me from dreaming. I jump back into this form of reality that I'm breathing. Just moments before, I was encapsulated in dual imagery. My dreams for the last eight hours had once again took over my being. The faint smells of the freshly dried floor as the familiar sneaker squeaks penetrated through the school doors. The past unveiling its head in the subconsciousness I thought had died, but revived. To recall this so vividly, unscrupulous as it may seem, these dreams were encased in the old me. My mind at that time focused on dances mixed with chances, maybe the avoidance of being allocated with the masses. Like a school assembly, blue and brown uniformed and in sync, or a community where all the houses looked like a carbon copy. The individualism, the autonomy versus a class, in its own words meaning to group up, methodize, or organize to follow a succinct path. I grasped to be unique. Knowing my imagination separated me, struggling to be individualistic in a world filled with copy after copy after copy, Hearing the whir of that office machine even in my dreams, I retrieved my thoughts as if a beach wave was submerging me, locked in that psychological facet of being awake but still asleep. Jolting up, I take a look at me, raising arms side to side, yet conflicted by these 10-year-old, what should I call them, facades? Confused now more than evermore. What am I supposed to see? What is it I should learn from the high school version of me? The intrusive sound of the timekeeper next to my bed screaming a notice of the alarm set, jarring at best, pushed me to remove myself from bed. My individualism would have to take a rest as I set out to do the same task. The day before, the day after, for months to come, this is my group, the organization I've become. I return home when the day is done. Here, surely my free-flowing thoughts won't be outdone. I traveled to my deck simply to be alone for a sec and chased the dreams just this morning I wanted to redirect. This fall air has a wisp of truth. It shows color, indifference, and a calmness ensues. I close my eyes, hoping to fall into a world of creative pursuits. I stretch out the tips of my fingers to take it all in, absorbing the parallels of nature and its aesthetic whims. As the wind picks up a tinge, I feel autonomous, like a kid with an imagination unshielded from the trivial character boxes she was herded within. I take my computer and begin typing away, flowing through the ideals I could never say. I feel illuminated, eviscerated, as if I felt as if I left it all out on the court with five seconds left. This was my shot. But the tomorrows never stop, because once again, your daily tasks will make you choose, dive into life now, or take an unautonomous past cue.
So there's a lot to unpack there. Luckily, you can rewind it if you want to hear it again. But that is my poem called Autonomy, which was really the bridge to this show being created. And it talks about literally every, because in, in my poetry, which I still write frequently when I just have things on my mind that I, I want to get across, it really dials into everything that I've told you about my past and about leading up to me becoming a writer or in my career as a communicator in communications. And it it shows like a backdrop of where I came from as far as school and feeling uniform there for different reasons and trying to conform and fit in. It's basically the struggle that we all go through in life as a creative, as a business owner, really anyone. And it goes through those thoughts kind of methodically. And then it comes out on the other side where you realize this is a daily fight. You, you daily have to choose. Like you have to choose, like they say you choose a partner every day. You choose to, to be happy and stay with your partner every day. Well, you choose to be a creative every day. You choose if you're going to let all of the aspects of your day dial down the moments when you should be creating or you should be fighting for your purpose. You choose that every day. You have to go for it and, and choose to make that come to fruition and make that decision every day because every day, like it says, the, the tomorrows never stop. You're always going to have things going on with your family or things going on with maybe another job or just different things that may be going through your head, but just making sure you keep that creative space to express yourself and engulf yourself in those passions and not being afraid to do that. So your whole life doesn't just become a part of something really large, like a, like I said, like figuratively an organization rather than you being an individual and, and doing what makes you happy. Self-care is, is very important. And part of self-care is being able to fight for your purpose and, and living your purpose every day. And so... With that, I do want to, want will have to leave you guys. I want you to check out next week, like I said, Teddy Combs, author Teddy Combs will be on here. Very excited about that and discussing his books and, and his journey. I hope you guys got a little more insight about who I am, why I am doing Gifted Autonomy and my background as well, because I know that's essential to the listeners. You know, you want to feel like you're connected to people and know their story and know if they're being really sincere about what they're what they're telling you and the purpose of the show and I am and so I wanted to share that with you guys leading up to the interviews but definitely check that out next Saturday at 1 p.m central time and I hope to speak with you guys then until then keep being your creative selves and definitely check out my social media Ashley Silver on Facebook AN Media my business page on Facebook for Instagram Ash underscore the underscore wordsmith and on Twitter at Ashley and Media. So I hope to hear from you guys. Thanks. Bye bye.